Hey, Jason here. Today I want to introduce our new series to you, Uncommon Investing Terms. Uncommon Investing Terms, our new series. In this series, we're going to be talking about, of course, uncommon investing terms, why they're important for you, what they mean, why they're important for the investment analysis, um, how you can gain a huge advantage in some cases, knowing what these mean, how you can avoid potential red flags by knowing what these mean and what these show for companies. You'll learn all that and more in this brand new series. Uncommon investing terms, we are going to talk about investment float, otherwise known as insurance float. Before we get to that though, I need to let you know that in this series, we're going to be talking about, of course, uncommon investing terms, why they're important, why you should know them, how they get, can give you a huge competitive advantage over other investors by knowing what they are, what red flags they might show, what potential hidden assets they might show, uh, and things like that. So far in this series, we've covered things like impairment, write downs, the difference, differences between impairments and write downs, retained earnings, accumulated deficit, um, net operating loss carry forwards, and more, I think. Um, so if you want to watch those videos, those other videos in this series to get a huge, huge advantage over your competitors, and other investors to earn higher investment returns, make sure to check this series out um, at the links below. Okay, so let's get to investment float. Investment float. Last week we talked about not net operating loss carry forwards, and I said they're one of my favorite things ever because pretty much nobody knows what they are, and if they do, they don't know how what they mean and how to use them. Today we talk about one of the same things, um, investment float. One of my favorite things ever. Most people don't know where it is. If they do know where it is, they don't know how powerful it is. The, the main person I've learned from, I've learned from several people on this, investment flow. Sanjay Bakshi, Professor Sanjay Bakshi, and uh, Warren Buffett himself. Warren Buffett is probably number one. He talks about in investment flow and insurance flow. A lot in his uh, in his partnership letters. I don't know if in his partnership letters, but it's probably later. It's probably in his uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway shareholder letters. He talks about it quite a bit. But this can be very confusing. So I'm going to make this as easily understandable as I can. Uh, we're going to start off here with one of Buffett's quote from his 2002 Berkshire Hathaway shareholder letter. To begin with, float is money we hold but don't own. An insurance operation float arises because premiums are received before losses are paid, an interval that sometimes extends over many years. During that time, the insurer invests the money. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I'm gonna... Yeah, this other stuff is important for our conversation right now. So what that means is exactly what it says. Investment float is money that the company, in this case companies, own. or that they don't own, but they can use. So in this case, I found the easy example, easiest way to explain to people what an, an, a real world example of investment float is, is two ways. First way is if you have a car, if you have a house, if you have a business, you probably have insurance of some kind. You likely pay out insurance on a monthly basis. You probably rarely, if ever, file a claim. 
let's say you have house insurance and you pay $500 a month on house insurance. That money continues going to the health insurance company or the house insurance company, sorry, house insurance company every month of the year, no matter what. Let's say this goes on for five years. So what is that, $6,000? No. Let me do the math real quick. So 500 times 12, that's $6,000. So $30,000 over five years goes to the house insurance company. You don't file a claim. So in the meantime, while they're earning that money, they can invest it or they should invest it to earn higher rates of return so they can use that money to pay back yours and other house claims in the future if and when or when in the case of insurance when a claim arises or when a set of claims arise yeah i live in florida so you hear a lot about insurance claims when it comes to hurricanes so let's say we don't have a hurricane for five years i live in the tampa area we don't have a hurricane in the tampa area for Five years, I, yes, if you live in the Tampa area, I know it's been about 80, 90 years since we've taken a direct hit, but I'm just using this as, as an example. Let's say it's been five years. So you paid $30,000 to the insurance company. Let's say the insurance rates, yes, I know these aren't the same, but it, just to keep this example the same. Let's say everybody in the Tampa Bay area has insurance through one company. Or even several companies will work. Let's go more real world, real world. So every time, every month, the insurance companies get paid. If there's no major wind issues, there's no major flooding issues, no hurricane issues, no tornadoes, anything like that, that company or the insurance companies continue to invest that money over time with very little payouts to people. If in year six, there is a hurricane, the insurance company will, it, the hope is to invest that money well enough in those five years or longer periods usually, but in this case, five years, they hope to invest that money well enough to not only earn enough money to pay you back your insurance claim or your house or whatever damage there was to your house or car, for example, but they also want to earn a profit on top of that. Another probably easier example to understand is an Amazon gift card. You pay your money to Amazon today for the gift card. Let's say you give it as a birthday present to somebody and that person doesn't use that gift card for six months. Amazon gets to invest that $50 or whatever. It gets that $50 now so it can use that to invest in other operations, R&D, growing, whatever, whatever it wants to do. Multiply this over thousands or tens of thousands or in the case of Amazon, probably hundreds of thousands or millions of people. This is why insurance float and investment float is so powerful because it compounds enormously fast. Here's another il illustration of how powerful it is. An article I read years ago, I think it's called Buffett's Alpha, which I'll try to find and link below. Buffett's Alpha. He, this guy, I don't remember who, who did the uh, research, but this guy did an academic paper on analyzing Buffett's return returns over his 50 year career, finding out what was the number one cause of his outperformance over everybody else. If I remember correctly, 
100, almost 100% of his excess returns are attributed to his, uh, his being Warren Buffett's. Warren Buffett's knowledge and use, positive use of investment flows. The guy writing the article or doing the research and writing the academic paper estimated that Warren Buffett was able to positively leverage his investment returns by 1.6 times every year for 50 years or whatever, how many years it's been now, because of his knowledge and use uh, of his positive use of investment flow. Again, this is how powerful investment flow is. If you know what it is, you know how to evaluate it, um, you know how powerful it is. So I keep using the word positive when I talk about investment flow. Investment flow is not positive or negative. It's like debt. If you use it well and you allocate capital well, it's a positive and you continue to grow the money and it returns more and more and more and more money. That's how Warren Buffett built his cycle of <laughs> $530 billion company. That's how he turned $100,000 into $530 billion by understanding investment flow and excess cash and positive leverage. But like debt, if you use poorly on poor assets, poor acquisitions, poor um, equipment, um, whatever, whatever the case may be, it's also a negative. Investment float is neither positive or negative by itself, but it depends on how well you allocate that capital. If you allocate it well, it's positive. If you don't allocate it well, it's a negative, just like any kind of debt. So we've talked about what uh, investment float is, how powerful it is. What is an example? Glad you asked. So let's look at a real world insurance company. So I've got the docs open here already. Uh, bah, 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 bah. We need the balance sheet for this. And don't need that. Just need the balance sheet. So balance sheet are found under the liability section. Let me get the most recent data. Uh, liabilities. Okay. So unearned premiums, liabilities, reserves. You'll see this for insurance companies. A typically an example of investment float or insurance float is a liability that the company does not pay interest on. So things like debt, short-term and long-term debt and capital leases, those are not float. Things like accounts payable, uh, accrued expenses, uh, bah, 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 bah. I'll have to see what this is, but probably, oh no, that's the total for that. For tax liabilities, things like this. I'll actually go down it. So if you ever have a question as to when you're looking at investment float, if you ever have a question as to whether it is investment float or not, just always keep in mind, ask yourself the question, Do does the company pay interest on this? If it does pay interest on it, it's not investment float. If it does not, is it is investment float. Okay, so investment reserves. Okay, so they don't pay investments or interest, sorry, on this this, 
make sure you get the totals. These are they, Morningstar changed their stuff recently over the last six months, and a lot of these it tells you what goes into the numbers now, which is great. But then you can sometimes double count the numbers if you aren't careful in looking at the total numbers. So watch out for that. So do not pay interest on this. Again, there's the total. I do pay interest on notes. Notes are debt. Notes are debt. Notes are debt. So here's total debt and capital lease obligations. This would be excluded from the float calculation. This would be added. This technically would probably be not included because they pay interest in the form of dividends to preferred stockholders. So I probably would not include that. Um, let's go through another example real quick, not from a not from not an insurance company because you can find investment float at all companies usually. Uh, let's see, let's go with let's go with Microsoft. Oops. Let's see what kind of investment float they have. And I'm not going to calcu uh, calculate, do the whole calculation today. That would take up way too much of your time. Um, I will tell you how to learn how to do that uh, later. But for now, I'm just going to go over what it is, why it's so powerful, how to find it. Okay, so I need the balance sheet. Again, the quarterly, most recent information. Let's scroll down. Float, float, again, the total float there for the trade payables. Current portion of long-term debt, not float. Okay, so here's uh, kind of a tricky one sometimes. Provision for an employee entitlements. Is that float? Do they pay interest on it? Technically, what I normally do and again, most of the time I look at tiny companies that don't have um, employee pensions or stuff like that. But what I would do in this case is I would include this number in the float because this is money they have to pay out in the future to people when they retire, for example, that they don't have to pay out now. So they can use this money, this $5 billion, I'm assuming that's billion. Uh, yep. So that $5 billion, they can use that to invest now to earn a higher rate of return. So I would include this in the float calculation. For income, customer pension total. I would include that in the float calculation. And normally uh, you don't want to use Morningstar for this because you see these other kind of ancillary categories, other current liabilities, total current liabilities, or other assets, other current assets. You want to know what specifically it is. So you want to use the annual report for this. Long-term debt, that would not be included. Operating lease obligations, that would not be included. These are both, you pay interest on both of these. So you would use exclude that number. Included in float. Included. Taxes payable would be included because they don't have to pay that yet. Okay, so I hope that gives you a bunch of examples of how to find float on the balance sheet and what it is. Um, this, 
other than illustrating and kind of going over what I already said, which I'm not going to do because I already said it for the Buffett stuff, uh, the Buffett examples earlier, I cannot emphasize how important an investment for this. And again, like with net operating loss scary for it's pretty much nobody talks about this stuff. So, and not only will it give you a huge advantage over other investors, it will give you a huge advantage in your analysis because you'll doing a, be doing a more complete analysis of a company or a potential stock. Um, most people when they think about insurance, think of specifically insurance companies, but you can find float like I just did at Microsoft at pretty much any company and it can positively leverage companies' margins. Uh, again, I'm not going to do the entire calculation here, but that's still, I can guarantee that whatever Microsoft's margins are, because of how well they run the company, they they use their investment float to positively leverage the company's margins or to positively leverage the company, which raises the company's margin. So whatever the company's margins are, which I'm trying to get to, so 36.7% operating margin, which is gigantic, that's probably really 40 to 45% when leveraged positively by investment float. And it does this... Uh, investment float, if it's a positive or a negative, it po positively or negatively leverages the company's, all of its margins by that same amount, not just one margin, not just operating profit. So this can give you a huge advantage over knowing what it is and what how, how powerful it is and give you an upper hand in finding potentially great stocks as investments to earn higher returns on other investors. Um, I will link below this, some resources I showed here about investment float. I've written extensively on investment float. I wrote an entire series on the value investing journey blog. I'll link that. That's all free. I made a book and expanded on some ideas out of that. I'll link that. And I've got a course where I show you how to do the calculation in full and give you my template on how to actually calculate the one I use every time I evaluate a company's investment float. I have a course for that. I'll link that below as well. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, let me know in the section below. If I miss anything, let me know below. I went through this, I could condensed, let's see, years and years of learning into about 18 minute video. So I probably missed something here. Um, but again, I tried to keep it as simple as possible. So if I miss something, let me know in the comments below. Make sure to check out our videos in this series. Those links should be above or below this video. And um, until next time. We'll talk to you again soon, and next week in this series, we're going to talk about total enterprise value. Thanks a lot. Uh, have a great day. Talk soon.